if I was to build the ultimate human motivation machine, like the, the ultimate human being who's just always motivated, I realized that there's a formula and that's three steps, all right? Three parts to this formula. And then you could apply this to your kids, you could apply this to yourself, or you could apply this towards your team. And so it's the formula for sustainable motivation is P times E times S3. P times E times S3. Welcome back, Neurohacker community, to episode number 67 of our podcast. Today, Jim Quick joins us to share how to learn how to learn in order to become limitless. For details on this episode, go to neurohacker.com slash podcast. You'll get a summary of our show, the full transcript, and can join in the conversation in the comments. After you listen to this episode, be sure to go check out his newly released book, Limitless. Let's jump right in. Here's Heather and Jim. Welcome to Collective Insights. I am your host today, Dr. Heather Sanderson, and I am joined by Jim Quick, the uh, creator of Quick Brain. So welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you so much for having me, Heather, and thank you everybody who's listening to this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So you struggled as a child a bit after a brain injury, and we're told you basically didn't have the ability to learn the way maybe other kids in your class did. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah. No, I mean, I know we're going to be talking about in this conversation how to be, you know, how to have this limitless brain, you know, but I was very limited growing up. um, And I feel like this conversation we're about to have is some people are surprised to hear that. Because when they see me speak at conferences, sometimes I'll do these mental feats where maybe I'll have 100 people in an audience stand up and introduce themselves and I'll remember all their names or the audience will give me 100 numbers or 100 words and I'll remember them in and out of order. And I always tell people I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's possible because the truth is everybody listening could do that and even more. It's just we weren't taught. And I feel like if anything, we were taught a lie, and I talk about it in the book, that a lie stands for a limited idea entertained. It's not necessarily a truth. It's something that we collectively maybe accept or we put energy towards. And those those lies you know, are really BS. They're, they fall into these belief systems that hold us back in our mindset. But that was my mindset. When I, when I had the accident when I was five years old, I was in elementary school. It happened in class. And... You know, after this traumatic brain injury, my parents said I was never quite the same. Whereas before, I was very energized, very curious. Post-accident, I became very shut down. And I had processing issues. Teachers would repeat themselves, or my parents would repeat themselves over and over again. And I kind of learned to play the game and pretend I understood, but I didn't really understand. I had poor focus, um, poor retention. Um, It showed up really obvious in my ability to read. It took an extra few years to learn how to read. And I just, the words that, you know, when you got in those circles and the book finally got to you and you had to read out loud, was very terrifying for me because I would look at those words and they didn't, they were just symbols. They didn't, they didn't have any meaning to me. And um, I, um, I remember when I was nine years old, it took me an extra few years to learn how to read, um, to catch up. But when I was nine years old, I was holding the class back not understanding the lesson. And I remember I was being teased by the other kids. And I think, you know, the teacher with good intent was trying to defend me. And, you know, but what I remember her saying was, that's the boy with the broken brain, you know, kind of justifying to the kids or trying to say, hey, this, this, 
this child has some challenges. But all I remember was broken brain. And that label became my limit. It kind of put me in a box. And that's really the theme of the book is in what area do people feel like they're being held back? And maybe it wasn't that they felt like they were, you know, not enough or they felt like they weren't smart enough, but some area. And um, that label, again, was my identity. And adults have to be very careful their external words because they become a child's internal words. So that became my internal conversation in my head every single time I did badly on in school, which was like all the time. Every time I wasn't picked for sports, which was like all the time, I would always say, because I have the broken brain. And so I faced these challenges all through grade school. And I eventually, at the age of 18, I, I learned how to adapt and I learned how to learn skills and a mindset and, you know, tap a level of motivation that really took me below normal performance to normal to what some people would say above normal. And I, since I was 18 for the past 28 years, I've been teaching people what I learned along the way. And, and field tested it based on, you know, in this book and on our programs. And as Quick Brain, as you mentioned, our podcast, uh, we, we teach just the, the neuroscience applied towards performance, especially accelerated learning, because I feel like that's the area where um, there's a real big gap in, in our education system where we weren't prepared for the world we live in right now, where especially now at the time we're recording this, you know, the world is changing, has changed. You know, and there's a new normal. People, you know, were for the few, what is the future of work? What is the future of education? And I feel like our ability to learn how to learn is one of the most important, if not the most important skill set, because we live in a rapidly evolving, changing, you know, lifetime right now where things, industries disappear overnight and businesses, everything has changed. And so our ability to adapt. And then, you know, while technology is driving a lot of change and jobs are going to AI and automation, the ultimate technology, I feel like, was the one we're born with, the one between our ears. And so I wrote this book to be an owner's manual for our brain, which is our greatest asset that we have, and, um, and teach people how to learn as opposed to always what to learn. Because if people learn how to learn, they can apply it towards the things that matter most to them. So, Jim... The limitless model, can you break down for us? How do you learn how to learn? Sure. So for me, the limitless model really is the the answer on how learning how to learn and also unlocking your full potential and it has three parts. And if everybody who's listening to this could imagine three intersecting circles, like it would look most like Mickey Mouse. So you have a circle, 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 two ears and a face. And everyone could draw that out. And even if you can't draw it out, just imagine it in your mind. Top left circle is the is the first part. Now, these are the three forces that keep us from not only learning faster, but also maybe hold you back. So think about an area of your life that you feel like you're not making progress. And it could be in your learning, it could be in your reading, in your memory, or it could be something in your relationship. It could be in your career, but an area where you feel like you're in a box. And there are three dimensions that put you, that keep you in that box, three forces. And these are the same three forces that will also liberate you from that box. And so I, I call them these three M's, and there are these three circles that intersect. And so each of these circles intersect with each other, and then all three of them intersect in the middle. And so the first circle is your mindset. 
And so if you want to learn faster, there, there is a certain limitless mindset and you have to dissolve these limiting beliefs that we talked about, these limited, these lies, uh, limited ideas entertained for our review. Now, what falls under mindset? This is your attitude, your assumptions about something. Maybe it's your attitude and assumptions around learning, or it could be your attitude and assumptions around the world or how something works or your attitudes, assumptions about yourself. And so what would fall underneath in that circle would be things like what you believe is possible. Do you even believe it's possible to read a book a week or to learn a second or third language? What you believe you're capable of, which is different than what you believe is possible. What do you believe you're capable of would fall underneath that circle. What you believe you deserve could fall underneath that circle also as well. And so somebody can learn the methods of accelerated learning, like the programs you mentioned, to, to read faster, improve their focus, improve their memory. But if they have a limiting belief, their mindset that I'm just too old, or um, you know I'm, I'm stupid, or I just have a horrible memory, our brain is like that supercomputer that you're in your self-talk and your beliefs are the programs that will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names. You won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. And so that's our mindset. And the reason I put it there is, again, you can learn the great method, but you can still be in that box if you feel like you're not capable of it yourself or you're not smart enough. And I'll keep you there. The second M that's intersecting with it is your motivation. Now, when I say motivation, it's a little bit of a loaded word because people have different interpretations of the word motivation. Some people feel like motivation is going to a seminar and, and listening to music and getting really pumped up and excited about something and, and they're motivated to, to read a book a week or they're motivated to change their life in some way. And then the next day they find they're not motivated as much. And, um, and I think that's a common experience that we've all had. And so I've really went through and I wanted to uh, demystify and decode sustainable motivation, not something that's often referred to as like a, a hot bath that cools down. You have to warm up every single time. But, you know, role modeling individuals for the past 28 years and working with really high achievers, if I was to build the ultimate human motivation machine, like the, the ultimate human being who's just always motivated, I realized that there's a formula and that's three steps, all right, three parts to this formula. And then you could apply this to your kids, you could apply this to yourself, or you could apply this towards your team. And so it's the formula for sustainable motivation is P times E times S3. P times E times S3. Now, what does the P stand for? The P stands for purpose, that in order to be motivated continuously, not where kind of like the limitless movie some people are familiar with, you know, with Bradley Cooper and, you know, and Robert De Niro, where Bradley goes from zero to hero by taking this pill, but then it wears off 24 hours later. And so does his motivation as well. You know, he becomes a genius and focus and everything. Um, the you know, like it's, there's no pill, but there's a process. And so this is the process and there's a process for motivation. We don't have motivation. We actually do it. And a lot of the book is basically taking words we use to hypnotize ourselves, like, like they're nouns, but you don't have creativity. You don't have focus. You don't have concentration. You don't have motivation. 
These are all things you do. And by taking them, making them a verb, it allows you to uh, to make change, right? To use a process. It's just like your kids. They don't have focus. They don't have motivation. It's something that you could teach them to do on a regular basis. So what's the formula? The P is purpose. And that's meaning you have to have a reason to be motivated. So the, the, the clear evidence that you're motivated for something is not what you say or even a feeling that you have. It's that you're doing something, right? You can't, somebody can't say they're motivated to write a book if they're not writing regularly. Or can't, you can't, somebody can't be motivated to, to have a fit body if they're not working out, right? No matter what they say or how they, you know, how they feel, unless they're doing it. And so they need a reason. And that's the purpose. And so... How do you uncover your, not your life, it doesn't have to be your life purpose, but it certainly can. For me, my passion is, my passion is what lights me up. Passion, one of my passions is learning. And for me, my definition of purpose is what lights other people up. So my passion is learning. My pa- my purpose is teaching people how to learn. So I can light other people up, you know, with my passion. And so I do take people through a process of finding their, you know, you know, a little bit of distinctions about their life purpose, because if you can align it around those actions, then it becomes pretty, you become pretty unstoppable. Like, you know, I, I work, there's not a day that I don't, you know, my mission is because I had the broken brain is to leave no brain left behind. I just want everyone's brain that I interact with, whether it's a podcast, a book, a video, anything that it's better off because of it. And I never, I never lack motivation. Now, coming back to an area of your life where you feel like you're in that box, maybe motivation is holding you in that box. Maybe you have the ultimate mindset, this limitless mindset. It's possible and you deserve it, but you're not motivated. Check in with your purpose. Like you do you have a reason and allow yourself to feel that reason also, both pain, you know, or something that could be, you know, pleasurable, meaning that if you don't feel it, it's not real. That for me, success goes from your head to your heart to your hands. That you could visualize a goal in your head, but if you're not acting on it with your hands, you're procrastinating or putting it off. Check in with the second H, which is your heart. So, you know, what are all the benefits? What are the consequences of doing it? And what are the consequences of not doing it also as well, of making that change in your diet? You know, like what if, and, and what if, you know, let yourself feel that pain, like over five years, if I was to tell you if you made absolutely no progress in your life, how would that feel to you? And then just allowing yourself to do that, to motivate yourself to do that now. So that's P. And then my mind comes out and says, okay, somebody has purpose. Are they always motivated? Is there ever a time when they're not motivated? And I was like, yes. There are that I could I could think of an exception if they're missing the E, which stands for energy. So somebody could have a reason to um, exercise every single day, but if they're but if they are low on energy, like maybe they spent the last two nights with their newborn, or they're so stressed out because of what's going on in the world and it's affecting their sleep, that will affect their motivation because they lack the energy. Somebody could say, "Oh, I'm going to read an hour a day. I want to read a book a week because I know leaders are readers." Um, they, they can have all the reasons and feel like, oh, I want to be, you know, the top in this, you know, my expert in my field and, and all the benefits that will come from it. But if they're still not doing it, maybe they had a, like a big meal and they're in the food coma, right? Or maybe they're, they're motivated, you know, they have reasons to start that business, but they're around a lot of energy vampires in their family that just really bring them down. They suck all the energy and they can't get themselves to do it, you know? And so energy plays a big role. And we talk about 
different things you could do to optimize your sleep, manage your stress, you know, an optimal brain diet and those kind of things that give you energy. And then finally, my mind went back and said, okay, somebody has purpose. They have reasons for doing this thing and they have abundance of energy. Do they always perform? Are they always motivated? And I thought, no, I can think of specific examples where somebody has both of those things, purpose and energy, and they still are not motivated. And why is because that last part is this goal is either too big or it's too overwhelming or this goal is too confusing, meaning that maybe their goal is they want that perfect body or they want to find their soulmate and live happily ever after or they want their kids to be able to get you know, straight A's or whatever their goal happens to, to be, you know, have that amazing career and everything. But but it's too big. And if it's too not defined, um, S3 stands for small, simple step. So basically what will keep someone from being motivated is this is too intimidating or it's not clear or it's too overwhelming. And so how do you break it down into a small, simple step? And the question I would ask everybody to ask themselves is what is the smallest action I could take where I'm making progress towards this goal and I can't fail? You know, something along those lines, because it requires very little energy and very little effort. And so it's not like working out an hour a day. It's putting on your running shoes. It's not maybe reading 45 minutes a day. It's opening up the book or reading one sentence. And most people will never stop there. You know, in the book, we talk about habits and habits design. And I, I talk about Dr. BJ Fogg, who we've had on our show number numerous times. And he's like tiny habits, like flossing is good for your longevity, oral, you know, hygiene. And yet some people don't floss. So he's like floss one tooth. Don't floss all your teeth. Just floss one tooth. That's, you know, and I call them small, simple steps. And I feel like that's the key for motivation. So if there's an area where you just can't understand why your partners or your teammates or your family, your child or yourself, you're not making progress, check is it their motivation or is their energy level or are they making it too big and they are not breaking it down to a small, simple step? Because little by little, a little becomes a lot. Right. And then finally, the last M in the model are the methods. And these are actually the strategies, you know, the process for accelerated rate of learning. You know, what I what I what I refer to um, that's that's called meta learning, learning how to learn. And we talk about five pillars specifically that I think are superpowers that we all should have been taught back in school. And these are really to are even more intense right now because of technology and how technology amplifies these challenges. Um, digital deluge, which is overwhelm. I mean, it's good for, for parents and entrepreneurs, everyone listening to this to be aware of what's holding us back. And so digital deluge is one of them. It's just too much information, too little time. And so that's why I think superpowers and modern day superpowers are you know, speed reading and studying skills, studying technical information, digital distraction, you know, every ring, ping, ding, you know, like, share, comment, just driving us to distraction. So how, you know, superpowers focus, the third powers focus. And then what about digital dementia, where we're high, highly reliant on technology as a memory storage device, and we're so forgetful. We can't, not that you want to memorize 500 numbers, 
or 500 phone numbers, but if you've lost the ability to remember one or a conversation or something we just read or something we're going to say or someone's name. So I think the fourth superpower should be memory, and but that's not taught in school. And then finally, the fifth one is digital deduction. And this is interesting because I, I think Heather, you might might see this with the, the 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 kids today. They're testing them on their analytical ability, and they don't have the analytical ability, the ability to use critical thinking like previous generations. In some part, to technology, because technology is doing the thinking for you. It's doing you know through algorithms and everything. And so we've we we weren't taught analytical reasoning abilities, how to make decisions, how to solve problems. And so I think thinking is something that should have been taught back in school. And school teaches you the what of those five things, you know, what to learn, what to think, what to focus on, what to, you know, study, what to remember, but not how, how to do those things. And that's the methods. Now, when you're looking at the model, the reason why I said that methods aren't enough, because just knowing what to do, common sense is not common practice, you know, you need all three. And so where mindset crosses over with motivation, that crossover is an I that stands for inspiration. And sometimes you have motivational speakers or, or people or books on mindset. A great book out there is called Mindset, which I would highly recommend. Where it crosses over, you have inspiration, inspirational authors or inspirational movies or inspirational um, experts, if you will, where mindset crosses over with methods. You, you know, you have this everything is possible mindset. Um, and you have this limitless mindset and you know what to do, but it stays in your in your head. And that's ideation, second eye. And I alliterate everything, obviously, just, just to help make it memorable. So you, uh, you, you have inspiration and ideation. And then where motivation crosses over with methods, you're motivated and you know the methods to use. That's a third eye, which is implementation. And that's, but your lack, but you might still be stuck in that box because of what you believe you deserve or what you believe you're capable of or what you believe is possible. And so where all three of them intersect, that middle spot where all three M's and all three I's intersect, you have a fourth I, which is integration. And integration for me, that's like integer. It's like your whole and that, that's just who you are. And that's a limitless state. And the reason why it's so important for accelerated learning is, you know, going back to me, my mindset was I was broken. And so that was affecting everything after that. You know, my motivation was a little skewed. I mean, I was I had the reasons because I wanted to make my parents proud. Um, but um, and I had some energy. I had some sleep issues when I was a kid because I was, you know, pulling all these all nighters, which probably wasn't really great for my my sleep hygiene. Um, but I also wasn't breaking things down into small, simple steps. You know, and then also with the methodology, I didn't know, you know, I was using old antiquated ways of learning, which is like rote repetition, kind of forcing it or sub vocalization while I'm reading or regressing when I'm reading and back skipping. You know, these, these bad habits I picked up when I was, you know, when I was a child. And so the good news is that all these limits are learned and all these limits can be unlearned. And that, that's what I'm excited about. So Jim, how do you put this model into action? If I wanted to take that first small, simple step, what would be what would be that step? So okay, so we want to recognize that learning how to learn is so important. So we have we have real reasons why. And what I would do is I use acronyms 
to help people to remember everything and be able to share with their family and friends. So right now, one of the things that people could do is just remember this acronym FASTER. And I'm going to go through it really, really lightning fast. But these are six things you could do to learn any subject or skill faster. And it is an acronym. The F, and I would encourage everyone to take notes as you're doing it, because there is a forgetting curve. And this is really to overcome, they say within 48 hours of learning something on a podcast, that 80% of it could be lost just in forgetting. And that's that goes to what you read, that goes to a lecture or a conference. And so how do you how do you mitigate that? And so obviously taking notes is a great way of capturing it. And so faster, the F stands for forget. And you're like, Jim, you're a memory expert. Like, why would you talk about forgetting? Really simple. You want to forget about what you already know about a subject because that will keep you learning slowly. The idea that, you know, you're saying that you know this already. And we all have this habit, but I feel like what keeps us from mastery is that line, oh, I know this already. And the people who are really amazing at what they do, they... They love the fundamentals. They love really getting good at the basics. And so what I would say is temporarily forget about what you already know. And in Zen, they call it a beginner's mind and have this childlike mind so you can learn anything. You know, it's cheesy, but it's true. Your brain's like a parachute. It only works when it's when it's opened. And so forget about what you already know temporarily so you can learn something potentially different. Um, I would also forget about distractions. We know that I, I document the, the research in the book, that you can't you can't multitask two, two or more cognitive activities at once. And it's just when people feel like they're multitasking, they feel like they're saving time, but in actuality, it's taking more time. That when you switch, they call it task switching, it uses up two things. It uses up more time. It could take anywhere from five to 20 minutes to regain your focus or your flow. And it also uses energy. You actually burn more, more brain fuel, more glucose when you're going from one activity to another. And so stick to one thing. And if something comes in your mind when you're listening to this, for example, when you're trying to learn, just write it down so you can like re release it, right? The other thing I would forget besides what you know about a subject and you know distractions, things that aren't urgent and important, are your, your what's possible. Temporarily suspend what you believe is possible. The A in faster stands for active, meaning that just a reminder to learn something faster, you have to be involved. The human brain doesn't learn through consuming information, through consumption. It learns better through creation and co-creation and creativity. And so meaning that learning is not a spectator sport, but sometimes in school we are, we are taught that implicitly, that you're just sitting there, you know, sitting quietly by yourself and you're lectured to, but that's not how the human mind loves to learn. It loves to get more active and the more of your nervous system you could utilize, the more of your senses you could utilize, the more you're, you're able to, to understand, the more you're able to retain. Um, and so how can you be more active in your learning? Taking notes could be one way of doing it, right? I have a, I have a preference for whole brain note taking, you know, mind mapping, or um, I teach a way where you take a piece of paper and put a line down the page. I am, I'm, my personal preference is handwriting notes. Now I know I see the convenience of doing it digitally because for storage purposes, for sharing purposes, it's just, I've seen a number of studies where people who handwrite notes as opposed to type notes actually have better comprehension and better recall. And one of the reasons why is nobody could possibly handwrite as fast as I could speak 
or somebody could speak. So it forces you to be more active in your mind and start filtering and asking yourself questions about what's important here. How does it really, you know, and so my way of, of note taking is on the left side, I actually take notes. On the right side, I make notes. So on the left side, I capture information like, you know, the three M's and, you know, how to read faster. I capture it or create quotes. I'm capturing on the left side, but on the right side, I'm creating. So if my mind is going to get distracted by imagination, by my imagination, I'd rather go on the right side of the page. And what am I writing down? Mostly the answers to three questions. How can I use this? Right. So I feel like that's a big creativity question. So I'm learning something and asking, how can I use this? And then I'm writing down, why must I use this? And then I'm writing down, when will I use this? You know, and that's how I take knowledge and turn it into practical action and results. And so, um, so that's me being active is taking notes. Another way of being active is asking questions because most people do not remember. They'll read a page in a book, get to the end and just forget what they just read. And you realize when you, when you deconstruct what's going on in their mind is they don't have, you know, compelling questions they're trying to get the answers to. Even when you think about standardized tests, those traditional educational tests where they have you read reading comprehension, like pages of paragraphs, and then all of a sudden at the end there are 10 questions you have to answer. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize those were, that's what they wanted me to know. But if you just read those questions first and then read from the beginning, then you're like, oh, there's an answer, there's an answer, there's an answer. And I would remind you that the only things you're going to learn are the things that you have questions um, about. And um, questions are the answer, in fact. And so ask a better question, you'll get better quality answers. Ask something that no one's ever asked before, you'll get answers no one's ever gotten before. And I think that's where a lot of innovation comes from. I read a great book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution, and he talks about that the majority of all innovation usually comes from people outside of an industry, whether it's fashion or automotive or you know whatever, because it takes somebody from the outside to ask a new question. You know, it takes it like an Elon Musk to look at the car industry and saying, with today's technology, how would someone go about making a car, right? And because they're not built with the same paradigm going through, you know, somebody who's inside of the jar and not able to see the label from out, you know, from the inside. So you ask a new question. So they're really powerful questions. How can I use this? Why must I use this? Um, when will I use this? Another powerful question is we're coming to another part of the 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 T later on is teach. How can I teach this to somebody else? That's a powerful question. And so that's the, the acting, you know, in, uh, in this, making it very active. The S in faster stands for state. And state is just very simply, it's like a snapshot of your, the mood of your mind and your body. And I feel like the state we learn something is so important because going back in school, the primary state I don't know, Heather, like, what do, what do you think most, most kids are feeling back in school? Well, you know, as you're talking through this, I'm remembering sitting in medical school and just being totally slumped over, exhausted from staying up all night to cram for one test or another. And I was in naturopathic right. school, right? So like I was eating pretty well. I was pretty clued in, but of course I had test anxiety, so I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before. You know, there, there was a lot going on and I, you're drinking from the fire hose of information. And I so wish I had had some of these tips at that point. Right. Um, and even when you were talking about forgetting, one of the jokes that my med school friends and I have is like, oh my gosh, all that stuff that we forgot we knew, right? Like there's all that stuff that you learn in first year anatomy. And then if you don't look at the bones of the foot again, 
yeah. we just don't remember it. So really the things that I feel like I remember from medical school are the things that I use every day. Um, when really I learned a ton of stuff, right? I knew it all for a right. test at some point. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what about all that stuff that we forget? Is that important or did our brain decide it's not? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we'll, we'll talk about, I mean, so part of it is the state you learn something in. So obviously uh, med school is, it could be, a, you know, from our doctor clients and my doctor friends, you know, some, some parts of it, depending on, I don't want to make a gross overlapping statement, but it can be very dehumanizing, you know, where they really push you and, and, um, as part of the process, um, it's not necessarily ideal situation for your brain to be under, like to go X amount, extraordinary amount of hours without sleep and rest. And that's what I was referring to state, you know, when we're low energy or we don't know the relevance or we're bored or exhausted, you know, information by itself is very forgettable, but information combined with emotion becomes more unforgettable. And if the emotional level or the energy level is zero, anything times zero becomes zero. And so we have to remember that all these things when we talk about the power of energy um, and getting ourselves involved and asking questions about, you know, how, how can I make this relevant to myself? Like a lot of people forget things because they're like, when am I ever going to need to know this? Or, and so even children, especially children, you know, they don't see the relevancy. So it keeps them in a state where they're just disconnected and not engaged because they don't see how it applies to their life. So state is a big thing. The, uh, the T in faster stands for teach. So learning with the intention of teaching somebody else will definitely help a child learn faster, will definitely help us learn faster. If everybody had to give a presentation on faster tomorrow, you would re-listen to this with better focus, more concentration. You would take better notes. You would ask more questions because, you know, in order to be able to learn it here, I feel like we don't learn it unless we could do it and we could teach it. And so in order to be able to relate it by speaking it or writing it down for somebody like as a blog post, then we don't really know it because something magical happens from when you hear this and it goes in your ears or through your eyes as you're reading or if you're reading it into your brain to be able to express it out of your mouth or through your hands and writing. You have to you have to really own that information. And so teaching is so important. And then the E in faster stands for enter which means entering into your, I think the top productivity, um, you know, performance tool that we have is our calendar. And if it's not entered in our calendar, it doesn't really get done, you know? And so, yeah, you know, we schedule doctor's appointments or PTA meetings or meetings with investors, um, but you don't always schedule your own learning and your own growth. And so I feel like some people do not work out because it's not on their schedule and then they're going to bed and they're like, oh, I didn't work out again. But when you put things down on paper and you enter it in or in your in your phone, then it's more likely to happen. And then finally, going to your point of like one of the reasons why you might not remember all the bones in your foot or something other other than that is um, the R and faster stands for review, because we do know that there is a consolidation uh, process to go from short term to long term memory and the process of learning something once doesn't always do it. Um, if now, you know, here's the things in, in physics, there, there are three elements and variables. There's frequency, there's duration, and there's intensity, right? And so if somebody wants to build their, their bicep, they could, um, they could use uh, frequency. They could do lots of curls, 
right? Or they could use duration. They could spend a lot of time working on that or on that treadmill or something, or they can make do it so intense they could break down the, those microfibers, you know, so intensely that um, they could get the same kind of similar result. But the benefit is you don't have to spend frequency and duration, take time. Just like with, if people think about marketing, you could build your sales through frequency, lots of sales calls or long sales videos, um, or you can make have marketing that's so intense, it just like goes viral and it's just, I have to have that. You know, same thing with your learning. You could repeat something over and over again, frequency. You could study long hours, duration, or you can learn it with more intensity, more emotion, and more of your senses. You could visualize it, you could hear it, you could feel it, you could get more involved, and maybe just you won't have to repeat it as much. So, but the R in faster stands for review, that you are better able to retain information by, by reflection, by spacing it out over time. And so when you're reading a book, you could read a chapter and then take a moment. And before you start another chapter, just review that chapter or have scheduled reviews. They call it space repetition. And so maybe like an hour later, you could review something and a day later, maybe a week later, and then it becomes just part of your long-term knowledge bank. And so that's six steps to just, I would approach any subject or any skill with that, um, with that framework of just, you know, forgetting what you know about something, being active, you know, managing your state, learning with the intention of teaching, entering your learning in a, in a calendar, and also reviewing the material before you go on to new, new material. As a clinician, this is really powerful stuff because I'm often recommending that a patient maybe incorporate a new diet into their lifestyle. And there has to be all of these elements need to be there for that to work. And so yeah. it's really interesting to hear you um, create this framework. And then where I think that I can apply it professionally is there's so many things that people know they should do but then they have trouble actually implementing. And so yeah. being able to offer someone this framework to say, okay, here's how you can go get on the ketogenic diet, or here's how you can go get on the whole therapy. Right. It's so powerful to, this will change everything, right? And even, I can't tell you how many patients are maybe feel stuck in their job or in a relationship that isn't that healthy. And having this framework to take control of their life and make some different decisions and really unleash that unlimited potential is yeah. just really neat. Thank you. Oh, so, thank, thank you, brother. Yeah, so who are some of your mentors? Who did you learn a lot of this from? So I, I have a, a global belief that I can learn something from everybody. I mean, it feels like kind of a kind of an easy answer, but it's something I live by when I, I feel like everybody has a, had a different set of life experiences, even, even children, especially, and that I, I, I and it get, allows me, um, it makes it interesting for me because if I, if I, I go to a lot of conferences cause I speak at a lot of events and if I'm waiting for the next speaker and I'll just notice, you know, what the audience is, I'm very curious because when you feel like you're broken, you just pay attention to everybody else and watch what they're doing, right? And let's say there occasionally there's a speaker that's just putting the audience to sleep. And I don't want to fall asleep because I, that's not a good state for me to be in very before I 
go on stage and I'll just get curious. I'll, I'll ask myself a question and I'll say like, wow, this, this person is amazing. How is he putting everybody to sleep all at the same time? And I'll actually bring that energy or that state of curiosity, fascination, bewilderment into my life. And I feel like everybody has something to teach us. Um, I spent a lot of times in a lot of, a lot of time in, in senior centers. I lost, um, I lost my grandmother to, to Alzheimer's. And so those early experiences or inflection points kind of put me on my path of, you know, I had learning challenges and brain health issues with my family. And so I just made me very interested in this, but I spent a lot of time with seniors and I feel like I learned so much there, you know, cause there's so many amazing stories and so much wisdom that's there. Um, so I'm, you know, polishing off their memories, but then I also hear, you know, the things that they, they maybe regret. And I get a lot of like, it, it hits me because I just, you know, especially what's going on right now in the world, it just reminds you that, you know, that we have this lifetime here to figure it out. And, you know, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we living like sometimes we're on fire, a little bit more fire in our, inside, inside of us, you know, that we have like we're you know running towards the things that are that matter to us um and so i learned from children i learned from seniors i learned from everybody and also I, you can learn from somebody as an example because i believe the life we live are the lessons we teach you know so i'm always learning from other people and you could also people could also not only be examples but some people could be warnings and you can learn from their you know example of what you don't want also as well and so my mentors, you know, growing up were books because I didn't know anybody. Um, you know, I didn't know anybody. Uh, I didn't have that kind of network of people that were just, you know, just those achievers or people in certain areas, totally health, healthy or role models there, or great business, you know, icons, or I didn't know any of that. So I got my best, my best friends were books. I mean, my, it's weird because I had these, I never really finished a book in high school. Um, so I think my teachers would have been very surprised if I read a book, much less wrote a book. Um, but I feel like everyone can learn something, even when I'm watching television. You know, I'll, I'll go through and I'll just, I just look at it, just you know, pretending I'm that character and what I would feel and what I would go through, and decisions I would make. But I want to be active because I don't, I don't think learning is a spectator sport, but I don't think living is either. And I feel like that um, my mentors are all around us, and so. Even my dog, like I had my dog, I like on my feet, like when I wrote most of this book and just like, you know, just like this zest for like, you know, he's just, I'm not, I think you can learn from everything. Yeah. So what a great invitation to just be open to, um, I certainly can catch myself being a little judgmental, like, oh, okay, that person doesn't know as much or I, I don't agree with the first thing they said, so I'm not going to listen to the rest. But it's such a neat invitation that you're you're offering here. It's like everyone has something to teach us, even if it's just to be an example of what we're not interested in, or that curiosity of why is this coming up in me? What what's going on there, and can I go a little deeper and learn something, even if it's about myself, potentially? Mm -hmm. And I think and I think this is interesting to me because it's you know we can learn through books, certainly as you know I think it's wonderful if somebody has decades of experience and they could sit down somebody could read that book in a few days and download decades in the days I think that's a wonderful advantage, but also learning from you know your relationships I think a lot of the people that are close to us sort of serve as mirrors, 
uh, you know, for ourselves when we're vulnerable. We, so we get to we get to self reflect, and I think a lot of this knowledge is self knowledge. You know that you you know while you can learn from mentors and people, also learning from yourself and trusting yourself. I, th- I think is, is part of the process. I think what's going on right now is a huge opportunity for us to um, get clarity on. So I think self awareness is a superpower. And so while we're all cocooning and physically distancing ourselves, I feel like is an opportunity, opportune time to get clarity on our life and just, you know, like zero based thinking if, you know, like, you know, what's most important to me in my life and my career and my family and my, my time and are my actions aligned with those values? I think we can learn from that because I feel like life is about knowing yourself and then being yourself, like having the curiosity to know yourself and then having the courage to be yourself. Um, because that's totally different. Like knowing yourself, once you know who you are, having the courage because other people's expectations and their opinions and fear of looking bad or, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's, we're like sometimes wired not to want to make mistakes or, or want to fit in someone else's box. And, um, and that will keep you from learning for sure. Meaning, you know, children don't, they don't have that same level of concern of other people, like the way that they look. And I think children, one of the reasons why they learn so quickly is they're, they're, they're willing to, to make mistakes when they're learning to walk or talk or anything else. And, but adults will take like one salsa lesson and just like, look, well, we're, just, we're not going to do that again because we don't want to look bad technology um, and how that applies to learning. You've talked a a little ways about how it can be helpful in terms of entering things into your calendar on your phone or your computer, and then talked also about how it can be super distracting. So do you see technology, and especially in this time of COVID, I won't ask you to predict the future here. I don't think anyone can do that right now. There's so much uncertainty. But how do you see maybe potentially technology changing the way we learn? Is, is there any technology in particular that you're actually really excited about seeing applied to learning? Yeah. So, um, so I love this question. I, um, I think that, you know, I mentioned like while we are cocooning and it's a nice metaphor for metamorphosis is like, we're going through a life cycle right now and we're in a cocoon and we're alone with our own thoughts and we're our, our own doubts and our fears and maybe even loneliness. Right. And so I, I don't use the term social distancing because you and I are being social right now, but I think it's more physical distancing. And, you know, and so I don't want people just a reminder that technology allows this to happen right now, that classrooms don't, they're not regulated or limited to four walls that, you know, people all around the world are going to listen to this conversation because of the, the benefits of technology. For me, technology is not good or bad. It's just, you know, if it's useful or not. Technology, like fire is, is technology. It could cook your food or it could burn down your home. I mean, it's just how it's applied. My big concern when it comes to technology, and I'll answer your question about learning, is just when we're using it just out of habit and unconsciously. When we're mindlessly picking up our phone just because we've been conditioned to do so because of dopamine floods and everything else with every like and share and cat video that we watch, it can be very addicting. And so my, my, my understanding for me is just to do it mindfully. If you're going to do it and that's your downtime and this is like your concern, like then do it without guilt. Like 
go, go, well, do that. You know, enjoy your Netflix if that's your time to decompress and use it, but use it thoughtfully, right? Just because otherwise it's, you know, over time, because the alternative is just like, you know, the over time is probably not very sustainable for, for if you want to be able to grow and be able to give at your highest potential. And so technology for me is like technology is a tool for you to use, but if technology is using you, then who becomes the tool in the, in the equation? And so I'm, I am excited about this. I remember years ago, I gave a talk in Silicon Valley and afterwards, uh, Bill Gates was in the audience and he comes up to me and we start talking about the future of education. And I'm talking about it from an accelerated learning theoretical standpoint, and he's talking about it from technology. Um, and uh, and then somebody listening, you know, this whole group gathered around and saying, "Was there anything missing?" And um, and we came up with the same answer: it's human motivation. That, that's why that we spend so much time talking about your purpose and energy and small simple steps because human motivation. A lot of people can know what to do theoretically and have the tools to do it. And still not to it. And so tapping into our motivation, but going back to the ultimate technology, I still think the ultimate technology is our brain. And more people update other technology like their phone or their apps more than they update and upgrade their 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 mind, if you will. And um, and that's what I'm really excited about. You know, just you know, as a as a brain coach or brain trainer, it's just I, I want to have this conversation that you and I are having about accelerated learning and mental fitness and, and keeping your, your you know your brain your your mind your thinking capacity sharp, and um, and when when it comes to education especially I, I love it that you know our, you know your podcast my podcast can go out to countless people I mean who knows that if somebody's listening to this in uh, in some village and that child becomes the next malala or you know like like they solve cancer or something because they learned how to like look at a problem in a new way or they were inspired um, to take a new action so i think technology is absolutely amazing but I'm, I'm mostly as much as i am excited about you know ar and potentially vr i don't think vr is quite there yet but but ar i'm very excited about but i like this i like using the the technology of our imagination our creativity things that aren't going to be outsourced to AI and, and, and robotics and automation because creativity is a superpower. You know, there's no limit to your creativity. There's no limit to your imagination. Um, and I think that's a technology in itself. Like when, when, when you go through these thought experiments and um, in your mind and you imagine it and then you take that invisible and you make it visible, I think that's really exciting. Um, but, but children, I wish... I wish imagination and creativity were classes back in school because um, I think it's the ultimate technology because what we could do with the human mind, you know, we, we, we've discovered more about its capabilities more in the 10 years than the previous thousand years. And we found is we're grossly underestimating those, those, that power and that potential. And um, so I think that's the ultimate technology. That being said, it's, I think it's remarkable that we could have a Skype call or a Zoom call and then, you know, still be connected and learn and inspire um, and how technology is something that we could use that makes our life much more convenient. I just don't want to be dependent on it. So it cripples us because, again, just like if, we, if technology is doing the thinking for you or the remembering for you, then you don't have you don't have to exercise your own muscles and build those analytical skills or those memory skills. And it's just like technology of 
you know, if you take a lift to go five blocks when you could have walked it, there's a physical toll. If you take the elevator when you could have walked up four flights of stairs, there's a physical toll. And I'm just saying, you know, mental fitness is as important nowadays as physical fitness and technology is a tool for you to use and it's convenient. Just don't let it cripple you. And so, um, and even when people can learn like this, I still think it's, it's useful. It's so valuable. My mother is a school teacher. She, you know, she became a school teacher, a special education teacher of all things, um, when she first started, cause she wanted to help me and she became very passionate about people who, children who are struggling. And I don't think it's about, you know, how smart a child is. It's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart and finding out how you learn your best. And, um, but the, you know, nowadays we could reach more people, and I think that teachers, you know, they, we can learn from the greatest teachers online. We have unfettered access right now to to the geniuses everywhere. We have more access than President Clinton did when he was, you know, president. You know, to information. So that that's not the challenge, you know. But I I love the physical and the emotional intelligence that comes from working with a coach or a facilitator or a teacher. You know, they could take you know these lessons and turn them into experiments, um, where we could get more more out of it and go deeper with it. I like the social learning that's going on right now. Um, so I'm I'm very excited. So I'm not one of those doom and gloom kind of people where technology is like the root of these challenges, but I feel, think they could be used intelligently. It could use to enhance not only our performance, but also our level of happiness. Um, so we did something really special at limitlessbook.com. I want this to be the most read book of the year, not the most bought book of the year. Um, that would be great, amazing also. But I want people to really use it and finish the book and not let it sit on your shelf. So when people when people pre-order the book at limitlessbook.com, they could turn in their receipt there and I'm gonna give them a brand new 10-day program. And for people who are working or learning from home, this is the program where we actually go through and teach you how the model, you know, on you know, like kind of like a 3D model, and then walk them through walk them through how to overcome limiting challenges and beliefs, and then how to tap their motivation, and then basics and speed reading and memory. So when the book arrives, you're just going to read that, and also going to gift everybody included in a pre-order. Um, when you receive the book, we're going to do a four-week book club, and I've never done this before. But this idea where the book has four sections, we're going to spend one week on every single section, and I'm going to teach you how to read it and also how to remember it but most of all, how to apply that section in your life. So we're gonna do four weeks like we're doing right now, kind of like on a, on video. And and so I want it to be very well read. And then the last two bonuses we're doing are two bonus chapters that came out of demand. Uh, how do you apply Limitless towards your team? If you're an entrepreneur, you have three people or 3,000 people, how do you build learning organizations? And, a free, and also a bonus chapter on Limitless children for parents out there who wanna take this model and apply it you know, to, to your 12 year old. And um, um, it's available on April 28th. If you're listening to this before that, you could go to limitlessbook.com and actually get those bonuses right now. And um, yeah, and that then that's it. I don't actually challenge everybody because I want to thank I want to thank you so much, Heather, for just this for this conversation and your thoughtful questions and presence. That I want to challenge everybody to take one small, simple step, which is to teach something that you learned in this conversation with somebody else. So maybe how you could express it is taking a screenshot of this podcast episode 
and um, and tag us both in it. Um, and I'm at Jim Quick K W I K, and share your your one takeaway, like one thing you're gonna do because of this conversation, or one thing you learned. And so what happens is there's this butterfly effect that maybe your friends and family seeing it, it'll it'll create a ripple effect. And I will actually repost some of my favorites because I want to see what people learned because when you teach something you get to learn it twice and i will actually gift i actually have a few more galleys left um which are kind of like the the pre-book <laughs> i'll actually send one to uh, to one random person who posts that as a thank you for for being involved oh that's exciting great i can tell you that teach the the tea and faster is definitely something I've noticed in the past. Whenever I signed up to be a teacher's assistant or whenever I signed up to teach something or when I teach it to my 12-year-old, um, I know it so much better. When I teach something to patients as a clinician, I know it so much better. And so that reminder is super, super helpful. Um, and I, that, that's been a big takeaway for me is to engage with any information as if I am going to teach it. Um, I've experienced it, and, but I didn't pick it up that I should just do that every time. <laughs> I know. I, and the benefit is you learn something for the benefit of it gives you. But the other reason you want to learn something is the benefit it could give others, right? You learn so you could earn in whatever ways, financially and otherwise. Learn, earn so you have, so you could return, you know, and you could give and we can light another candle and, you know, and that, there's a ripple effect. Just right now, how there's, how, you know, there's things could spread, you know, whether it's a virus and fear, other things spread also you know, kindness could, could spread like that or in, in compassion, wisdom, ideas, they could all spread like that also as well. And I feel like the world needs more and more of that right now. And that all that stuff is free. <laughs> like kindness is, is, is free. So we should be sprinkling that everywhere right now. Absolutely. Jim, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. And I certainly have gotten so much value out of our conversation and already gotten so much value out of your podcast as well as I started Limitless. I feel very fortunate to have gotten one of those pre-versions. Um, and I, I won't tell you that I read the whole thing yet, but I'm excited to get um, the 10-week 10, the 10 um, download from you because I, I really, this is such a perfect time to put it into practice at home. We have a little bit less commuting, less grocery shopping, less shopping shopping. You know, I've got a little extra. So thank you so much for all of the value that you're bringing. Um, and I certainly am personally excited to dig in even more. Heather, thank you so much for everything you and the team are doing. I wish everybody who's still listening to this, you're amazing if you're still listening to this because we're, I feel like we're kindred spirits. We're on this adventure to, to live and realize our fullest potential um, so we have more to be able to give. And so I wish, you know, I wish your days be full of lots of love and, and, and learning. To you as well. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for being with us for this conversation with Jim Quick. If you didn't know already, one of the other things we do in The Collective is create supplements for better cognition, better aging, and more energy. If you're looking for any or all of that, go to neurohacker.com to learn more. And as our gift to you, we're offering an additional 15% off your first order using the code PODCAST67. If you have questions about this content, please go leave them on our site at neurohacker.com podcast, and we'll work to get those answered on a future episode. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time.